Welcome to our Wednesday Bible study. We just finished the book of Hebrews last week, and now we're going to be moving on to 1 John. Uh, in this video, we're going to take a look at that first chapter, and you might notice this video is a little bit shorter than my usual videos. Uh, there's two reasons for that. One of them is this chapter is only 10 verses long, so of course the video is only going to be so long. The second reason is because I have given you some extra time to hop on over to the Bible Project and watch them, you know, on YouTube, I guess, if that's how you're watching this video. You can look at their page and you can see that they have this overview video of not just 1st John, but 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. All three of them kind of wrapped up into one video. It is kind of a long video. It's almost like 10 minutes long, I think. Um, but you, you see this poster before you that's on this slide. Uh, that's what the video is going to walk you through and just give you this overview of what the book is. Also, another thing that I would uh, encourage you to do is to sit down and read the whole book in one setting. It's only five chapters long. It wouldn't take you that long to be able to do that. And that would give you a great overview to kind of see in addition to watching this video, um, the Bible Project video, I mean, and this one, of course, uh, all of them together. Uh, they give you a great idea of what John is all about and, and what he's doing here. So let's dive into the text this evening and let's see 1 John chapter 1. Let's look at verses 1 through 4. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Now, a little bit of a fun fact. I guess you say that uh, this might be a little bit of Bible trivia for you. There's two books in the Bible that start off in the beginning. You know what those are? Think about it. I, I know that you know the first one. The first one is, of course, the book of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, as you know how it goes on. But you know there's a New Testament book that starts off that same way, and that is the Gospel of John that in the beginning was the word. That's how John starts his gospel. Notice this. Look at how similar this is. It's not exactly the same, so it doesn't say, you know, in the beginning. No, it doesn't start like that. But what it does say is that which was from the beginning. So you want to know a lot of these things kind of trace with what the gospel of John was about too. And one thing that you definitely see just in these first few verses of 1 John here is the fact that we are getting an eyewitness account. You know, look at these words that are used to describe what's going on. In verse 1, uh, the author, with those that's kind of writing and he's speaking on behalf of it, says, you know, which we have heard. Okay, so that which was from the beginning. Okay, which we have heard. So, so that's one thing. Actually hearing something with your own ears, that's important, isn't it? But notice there's another thing, which we have seen with our eyes. Well, seeing things with your eyes, I mean, that, that's very important, isn't it? Which we have looked at and our hands have touched. Okay, so all of these things, they've heard it, they've seen it, they've looked at it, their hands have touched it, every which way. You know, it's almost kind of like they're sort of going through the different senses that we possibly have. But then he gets down into it and says, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. Okay, we are getting this testimony from somebody who knows what they're talking about. And it has to do with this eternal life. Eternal life is, is very uh, important, isn't it? You know, this word of life, this eternal life that's used in verse 2. All of this comes back to kind of a, a good focus and one that we will see throughout uh, John's gospel. Um, I'm sorry, not John's gospel, uh, John's letter here in 1 John. 
Uh, I'm sorry if I've done that already, but uh, anyways. Yeah, in 1 John, we'll continue to see this about eternal life, which I guess technically that's in John's gospel too. It's something that he focuses on because that is that is key. Uh, you know, certain books, they might focus on one thing or another, and I mean, all of it's important, but right here, we are going to learn a few great things about eternal life and also the security that we as a believer can have, but that's coming in the future. So just kind of hold that in your mind and, and realize he's already talking about it here, and it is important. This word of life, this eternal life, all of this has to do with, with what is being proclaimed to us and what we can have. Isn't that wonderful? We also see in verse uh, 3 and 4, verses 3 and 4 right here, uh, I guess mainly in verse 3, he's talking about this fellowship that we can have. And I think fellowship is one of those words that, you know, if we're not careful, we kind of allow it to lose its meaning. And we don't always think about what that means. Um, it's been described and kind of used as a little bit of a humorous uh, analogy, I guess you might say, that fellowship is kind of a couple of fellows in a ship. And I know that might sound a little weird, but maybe it'll help remind you. So, you know, maybe the next time you start reading about fellowship, you'll think about, you know, a couple of guys in, in a ship. But, you know, that image actually is very helpful because one thing that it does talk about with that image of, of a couple of guys in a ship is that you have close connection with people. You know, you kind of have to be in close quarters whenever you're on a ship. Even if it's a big one, it's still very limited um, about the space that you have. So uh, it does talk about that, and that is part of fellowship, but that's not the only part of fellowship. And that's why I like the analogy about, you know, a couple of fellows in a ship, because they have to be on the same page in order for you to get to your destination. Now, I've never been in charge of, of trying to, to direct a ship. I've never done that, and I never intend to. However, I have gone canoeing before, and whenever you go canoeing, especially if you do it with a partner, you know, and, and y'all are both trying to row, and trying to steer the, the canoe where it needs to go. If y'all aren't on the same page and one of you is trying to turn right and the other one's trying to turn left, you're not going to really get to your final destination, at least not like you should. So that's another part of fellowship that is very important. You've gotta be at least somewhat on the same page in order for you to go straight or in order for you to go to your destination of what that is. And this destination that he has already been talking about is this eternal life. How do we have that type of fellowship? And this fellowship that we have, also, I want you to notice that there's two different ways that we see this fellowship in verse 3. One of them is fellowship with us. So see, the fellowship that we have with one another, that's so important, so crucial. We've got to understand that. But then there's also another type of fellowship, and that is our fellowship with God. That's why he talks about um, that fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So we have to have fellowship with fellow Christians, yes, but we also have to have fellowship with God. Both of those types of relationships are extremely important and we can't really let either one be lacking because then it just we're not becoming the type of people that God would want us to become and we're not really headed to that that pathway that eternal life that God has laid out for us and that he's uh, that he has accomplished the work for us to do uh, so what does that look like what does that eternal life look like and, and what does that hope that we have of following Christ and that fellowship what does it look like the rest of this chapter goes into this Wonderful analogy that uh, I've kind of titled this uh, video about walking in the light. And that's what we're getting into now. So let's look at that. First John chapter one, verses five through 10 now. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. 
But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. So as you look at the, the second half of this chapter, which, by the way, I'm just going to be honest with you. This is kind of my favorite half of this chapter. I love this analogy that's used here. So we see this message. What is this message that they've heard and that they're declaring and also the same message that we are supposed to declare too? That's how Christianity works. Um, you learn things from those who've gone on before you or kind of paved the way before you. And then you teach the next one and then they teach the next one. That's how it's gone on for the past 2000 years. So what is very important for us to teach? Well, there's several things, but one of them that we're going to get into in this, this kind of working image that we're going to see in these verses is that God is light. In him, there's no darkness at all. What does that look like? You know, whenever you start to think about light, it, it does have very interesting characteristics. And it's amazing how small of a light is required just to completely get rid of darkness around. You know, even like a small nightlight that just can really light up a whole room, even though it's a small light. Could you imagine what the light of God is like? It's amazing. It's wonderful. And we're going to get to see him face to face and be able to look at that light. Um, you know, right now we can't exactly look at him just as he is, but one day we will be able to. But right now, we still are called to have fellowship with him. So how does that work? If we are living in this world that obviously from the scriptures, you know, we sin, so that produces darkness. We live in a world that is full of darkness. So how do we have fellowship with God who there is no darkness at all? Well, you know, he talks about that. And in verse you know, six, he says that if we're going to claim to have fellowship, we also have to uh, live out the truth. You know, we have to have fellowship with God. We can't be walking in the darkness. OK, so we still have to be here in the world, but we don't have to be affected by its darkness, at least not fully like this, you know, not overcome by that darkness. Because in verse 7, we have to walk in the light, just like he is in the light. And here's this word again about this fellowship that we have. You know, that's a promise that we can have whenever we walk in the light, just as he is in the light. But you know, there's even more about this fellowship. We see also with this fellowship that we can have with one another is that the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. I mean, that's wonderful to understand that the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. And I know that, you know, you've probably heard uh, different analogies about how we can be walking in the light and how the blood of Jesus continues to purify us uh, from all sin. One thing I want to point out is this. Notice the small word. It's just three letters in English and it is all. You know, so what does that mean? How much of our sin does the blood of Jesus purify us from? It says that it purifies us from all sin. Let's make sure that we recognize that all in there because that is so important. The blood of Jesus is powerful. It's mighty. And we're going to continue to see this blood of Jesus and how it can purify us from all of our sin throughout this letter here. But right now, um, you've probably seen these analogies, you know, about, about how that blood of Jesus will wash us and how it will purify us. Well, um, I, I know that a very familiar one that I'm sure that many of you all are already thinking about is the one from uh, Mike Tenero. 
that he uses. Uh, I don't know if he came up with it himself. I, he's the first one that I ever heard use this. And that is about the windshield wipers. You know, the fact that you can keep driving in the car and the wipers, they keep wiping and they keep wiping away that uh, the, the water that's blocking your view. That's kind of an image about how the blood of Jesus continues to purify us from our sins, just like those, you know, the windshield wipers do. And I do love that analogy. I really do. Uh, but also another analogy that I love is just literally uh, about light. You know, I kind of wish that I had set it up a, to where you could see a, a visual illustration about this light. But, you know, just think about what you know about light and how it gets rid of darkness. You know, the only way for us to be in darkness is if we put something between us and God. I can demonstrate this just a little bit because right here where I'm recording this, I've got one light that's kind of above me. And if I take this, this uh, paper right here, if I put something between me and the light, you can see I start to be in a shadow. Now, of course, I'm not a, in complete shadow, but you see that there's a huge difference between this and this, isn't there? That's because right now I'm in the darkness because I'm blocking the way to the light. But you know what? The blood of Jesus, uh, it, it purifies us from all sin. It allows us to be able to take away everything that is blocking us from God. And I think that's a wonderful image to understand that that's what God wanted from us all along. And that's what we need to want for ourselves as well. That's the power of the blood of Jesus. Now, recognizing this power of the blood of Jesus is important because notice that verse 8, it says, If you claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So it's not like you don't have sin. That's not the, the issue. You do have sin. You most certainly do have sin. Um, if you claim that you don't have sin, you're just deceiving yourself. But since we do have this sin, it won't separate us because the blood of Jesus can purify us from it. That's what verse 7 is talking about. See, all of this is kind of related and going back and forth and back and forth, but it is so important. We also see about verse 9 that if we confess our sins, uh, then uh, he will forgive us from our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Notice that word there again, all, not just some unrighteousness. It's not just, you know, kind of a little bit or even a lot of our unrighteousness. It's all unrighteousness, just like it's all sin. We have to confess our sins. Now, this confession, I know that I probably feel about as uncomfortable with it as, as many of you. You know, sometimes we just don't really like to confess sins to one another. Notice this passage, though. This passage is not even talking about us confessing our sins to one another. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's plenty of passages that talk about the need to confess our sins and, and help build up one another. Yes, that's true. But this passage right here, the one who we are confessing our sins to is the one who is faithful and just and who's going to forgive us our sins. There's only one that can do that. So this is our confession of our sins before God. That's where this relationship is. That's where this confession is. It's not like you claim that you have no sin. No, you confess your sin. Whenever you confess your sin and recognize that you are not God, then that's whenever you can accept the blood of Jesus Christ. And the blood of Jesus Christ will purify us from all of our sin. We have to be people who recognize this power of the blood of Jesus. We have to be people who are willing to walk in the light just as he is in the light so that we can have this fellowship so that we can have this forgiveness, and so that we can also have eternal life with God our Father, because that's what he has wanted from the very beginning. That's what John is about in this first chapter, and that's what he's going to continue to be about, and we will keep looking at this 
uh, in the next chapter and throughout the rest of this book. So I hope that you've enjoyed this this first chapter of this this book, and I hope you will continue to kind of tune in and keep watching uh, other uh, videos as well. Before I end this video, I want to uh, share an announcement um, with you, though, because things are going to be changing. This 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 uh, study is going to be disrupted a little bit because we're going to have Vacation Bible School, but Vacation Bible School is going to be different this year. It's going to be an online Vacation Bible School. And it's going to be July the 12th through the 15th. So in a couple of weeks from this video, if you're watching it at real time, um, a couple of weeks from this video is going to be a Vacation Bible School video. And uh, the theme is kind of brick building with Jesus, so to speak. And we're going to look at different uh, ways, you know, those little toy bricks that, uh, that you might have played with whenever you were a kid. Or I know that I most certainly did. And, you know, my kids, they play with those uh, as well. There's a lot of concepts that we can learn about those bricks. And a lot that we can learn about the, the need of, of building each other up, isn't there? And we're going to take a look at those things at our Vacation Bible School. So each one of these days, that's going to be a Sunday through a Wednesday. There's going to be a video that will include some songs. It will include a Bible story or, or even several Bible stories together. And then uh, there will also be a, a time for you know a, a lesson to where we kind of apply what the Bible story was about. And then there will be a time whenever we can do activities. These will be either like maybe some games or crafts that, uh, that is intended for families to do. This Vacation Bible School is going to be centered around families. You know, a lot of times we might um, focus on the different age groups. This one's going to be about family. So I hope that you all will sit down together as a family and watch these videos and participate in them, sing the songs, do the activities, and help grow in Jesus Christ. And uh, I look forward to that. And I hope that you will be able to tune in and participate in those things. Uh, also, you can check, uh, check out uh, the, uh, the website and you can get more information about that and, and kind of maybe download some uh, different coloring sheets and whatnot, some different activities, information, if that's what you need to do. Um, so, yeah, just check back here and you will uh, uh, you'll get to see what the, that is all about. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully you are, too.